She Runs Ultras episode number 22. And about a week or so ago, I did a live stream event called The Simple Guide to Running Pain-Free. And I shared three tips, three things that I believe you should do if you want to run pain-free. Now, in addition to that, we did a 30-minute movement practice, which we're not going to do here, but those three tips are so good that I wanted to share them with you guys that listen to the show. So this is going to be a really good one, you guys. I'm really excited about it because these are things that I feel strongly about. You've heard me talk about some of them before, but I'm really going to kind of dig in here. So if you're in a position to take some notes, you might want to do that. Or as always, you can replay this episode as many times as you like. So let's just jump right in. I'm going to go through these three points and I kind of think of them in this order. So if you're going to start anywhere, start with this first thing. And Like I said, you guys have heard me talk about this before, so it should come as no surprise to you that the first thing on this list is to have a training plan. Now, for some people, this is a no-brainer. They like structure, they have a plan, they follow it religiously. But for others, maybe it's more of a struggle. They don't like the structure, they feel overwhelmed by having a plan. Um, Perhaps they they don't know where to get a good one. But I would argue that It's the foundation of a pain-free running career, right? The reason I think it's the foundation is how do you know what to do when, right? So this is a question that I ask a lot of people when they say, no, I don't really need a training plan. How do you know what to do and when to do it? So if you're not tracking what you're running, what you're walking, what you're cycling, if you're cross-training, what you're doing for strength training, how do you know what to do next or what not to do next? Like this is this is pretty important stuff. And one of the reasons that people develop aches, pains that are sort of kind of above and beyond the norm, like the normal just day-to-day stuff is because they do too much too quickly too soon, right? It's it's all the twos, (laughs) too many things. The body responds to training by breaking down and then building back up. And what I often see is people will come at me with, well, I'm doing all of these things and there's like no rest built in there. (laughs) So that's the first thing is what I typically do with a lot of people is build in some more rest and build in more training variety. I mean, we could go into like, we could do a whole tangent on training plans, but I know we've already done a simple episode on training plans. So maybe we'll dive into that more as this show progresses. But the very foundation is that you need a training plan. And that's because we want to apply just the right amount of stress. And the best way to do this is to follow a plan, track your progress and assess as you go. If you're new to running, having a plan is especially important because this is where you can, no pun intended, run amok. So what happens with a lot of new runners is they kind of just fall into what their running friends are doing, or they go to a running group and they just kind of follow along instead of having a plan that's going to meet them where they are, starting at zero miles and building up slowly is really what we need to be doing. And then from there, that will help to keep you pain and injury free as much as possible, right? Where new runners get into trouble is 
like just where I mentioned, where they start out by attending a group run that's going further or faster or doing more hills or things that they're just not ready for. Or if they jump into a friend's training plan at some random spot, right? Like not at the beginning. (laughs) Another scenario is if you're just coming back to running from an extended break. It's the same kind of thing. You can't pick up exactly where you left off. You've got to build back up again. And if you've been running for a while, but you're not seeing the kinds of improvements you want, or you've kind of been stuck at a specific pace or distance for a while, it could be because you're not following a plan or because your plan needs some tweaking. A training plan is essentially a roadmap. So how I like to explain this sometimes is, and maybe for those of you that predate in-car GPS or cell phones with GPS, <laughs> we used to print turn-by-turn directions, right? How to get to where we want to go. We wouldn't try to drive across country without some sort of map or directions. Running is no different. You shouldn't try to go from a non-runner to a marathoner without some sort of a plan. You need the roadmap from where you are now to where you want to go in order to see the next logical step or the progression of steps that's going to get you there. So really the difference between someone that gets to their running goal and someone who doesn't is the difference between a nice set of logical left and right hand turns and strategic, right? Like very strategic, point to point to point. And this just wild squiggly line that goes all over the place and ultimately leads you to nowhere. Because I feel like that's how some runners attack their goal of getting to, let's, we'll just say a marathon, right? We're just, we're just running this, a random number of days. We're not consistent. There's no rhyme or reason to the number of miles or the type of training. Every single training session is like a threshold session. You're going all out. You come home, you're totally spent. I mean, maybe some of you are nodding your heads. Yes. Like that's me. You need a training plan. Okay. If you don't have a training plan or you download a free one off the internet, knowing how to customize it for what works for you is also crucial. And this is actually something that we do a lot of in Run Farther, Faster, Stronger. We talk about ways to modify them, how to scale and build incrementally, kind of like all of the things that will get and keep you on the right track towards achieving your goal. So to kind of just sum up this first point, have a plan, keep track of what you're doing, follow a progression for building mileage and assess frequently. Okay. That's thing number one. The second thing is to have a daily movement practice. You guys have heard me talk about this, but when I started to reflect on my run training, I'd probably been running for maybe five or six years. And I was kind of at a point where I felt like I was stagnant, like things just weren't happening as much as I would like them to. I wasn't increasing distance, all the things, right? I was very much feeling this plateau. I started to look back on my training and notice some very important things. First and foremost, all I was doing was running. (laughs) Okay. I would stretch every once in a while. I would do the occasional strength workout, but I wasn't consistent with any of it. 
And in sports training or in movement training, there's a concept called pattern overload, or you might have actually heard it referred to as a repetitive stress injury. And it's essentially when you do a movement or a motion so often that you stress or injure the tissues or structures. So this can range from something like a tendonitis, a tendonitis of any sort all over the body, all the way up to a stress fracture or even a full break. And runners typically have a lot of aches and pains. And this is because of a few things, right? Because we are doing repetitive motion all of the time. So first, the surfaces that we're running on, right? If we don't vary surfaces, even if you're a road runner, you can still find some trails, find some sand or dirt. You can find some grass, the beach. Like we need to be varying those surfaces in order to circumnavigate or prevent these pattern overloads and repetitive stress injuries. Second, a lot of us came to running a little bit later in life. So we bring all sorts of, you can't see me, but I'm making air quotes. We bring all sorts of stuff with us into this running endeavor, right? Previous injuries or surgeries. Maybe we've had kids, we've had a fall, we've been in a car accident, like our job, we're on our feet for our job all of the time. We bring a lot of stuff with us into this running endeavor. The next thing is like, we're not taking the time to deal with the root cause of the issue. So specifically, the quality of the joints and tissues and structures in the body. And oftentimes, we're just treating the symptom. I rolled my ankle. So I'm, you know, we're going to treat it with ice and a painkiller, maybe some foam rolling and any other one of these million crazy other tools that are marketed to runners. So when we do all of these things, we are more likely to have pattern overload or repetitive stress injuries. And so when it comes to having a daily movement practice, this is why it's so important, right? Because we want to actually counteract all of those things that I was just talking about. So developing a daily movement practice that involves moving your body in a variety of different ways will help to combat pattern overload or repetitive movements that can eventually end up in tendonitis, stress fractures, all of this stuff. And in my world, I call this movement pattern or or movement practice, excuse me, a daily shakedown. And for me, this is a mixture of all the different movement modalities that I know and teach sort of rolled into one. So it's part dynamic warmup, it's part yoga practice, it's part functional range conditioning. And in this live stream that I did, I took everyone through a short movement practice. So in lieu of that here, I'm actually going to link up a few resources on my YouTube channel that can you can like check out and there'll be good examples of different ways that you can incorporate a shakedown into your day. All right. But just to kind of clarify this a little bit more, I do this to start my day. Those of you guys that follow me on Instagram may have seen in my stories or just in my regular feed videos, time-lapse videos of me doing some crazy movements. (laughs) That's my shakedown, right? I do it uh, at the beginning of my day. I do it maybe right before I go for a run. 
I will do it if I've been working for a while, either sitting or standing. I'll do it maybe sometimes even before I go to bed to help me wind down, especially if I've had maybe a particularly long day or active day where I'm having trouble kind of calming down and going to sleep. This is a great way to kind of expend residual energy. And then like the next logical question is why should you do it? Well, we talked about movement variety. Um, We talked about pattern overload. And that's really um, the main reason. We want to introduce movement variety that combats the patterns that we groove every single day just by going about our daily routine. So if we're always running the same time of day, the same route, the same shoes, the same terrain, like your body remembers this and it gets used to it, but it's also grooving a pattern so that anytime you deviate from that, you're actually more susceptible to an injury because you haven't given the body multiple inputs from a variety of different stimuli. So the second reason you should do it is that it warms up the muscles and joints and prepares them for whatever you're doing. So I mentioned I do it when I wake up, before I run, after I've been sitting for a while. So these are all times that I might consider myself to be, air quotes, cold, right? If I've been sleeping all night and then I get up to go for a run, like my body needs to be, (laughs) my body needs to get the memo on what's going to come next. And so that's what a shakedown will do. And the third thing it does is, is it gives you an opportunity to assess how you're doing, what's moving well, what's not moving well, what feels good, what doesn't. These are all kind of early indicators of potential trouble spots. And that actually leads us into the third thing, a third of these three things, is to have a functional strength program, okay? Um, So when it comes to running, what happens most often is that we just decide that we're going to go run, right? We're just going to go out and do it. And the barrier to entry into this sport of recreational running is really low, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not, I have no beef with that. You basically just need a pair of shoes and some comfy clothes, right? And you're, you're good to go. But the issue comes when that's all you do is run, right? Remember back to the beginning of this is where I kind of started to take a good hard look at what I was doing and not doing. And when I started to implement these changes, my running got infinitely better. So like I said, the issue really comes when all you do is run. And it's especially an issue if you don't have things one and two from this list, not to mention thing number three, right? Like we want to be doing these three things to run as pain-free as possible. And if you're kind of just a casual runner that's content to cruise around the neighborhood for a few miles here and there kind of sporadically, and you don't really have any intention of going further, you can really kind of just get away with doing very little outside of running, right? But if your goal is to run longer than a few times around the block, or longer than you've ever gone before, a half, a full, an ultra, there's more work that's required in order to have longevity in this sport. So maybe some of you are here now, like listening to this podcast, because you're experiencing this firsthand, right? You saw the title, (laughs) Ways to Run Pain-Free, and you're like, yes, sign me up. So 
Maybe you've been running for a few months or years and you're starting to notice things come up that maybe have never happened before. Like your knee is talking to you. You've got hip or low back pain. Your feet and ankles are starting to do funky things. Stuff is just going to start falling apart, right? If we don't pay attention to it and start giving it what it needs by way of all of the things that I'm talking about here, this is this is what's going to happen. And this is where the idea of having a functional strength program comes into play. If you wanted to become an Olympic weightlifter, you'd have a pretty specific training program. And as a runner seeking distance, you should have a pretty specific training plan too, because it will prepare and strengthen the parts of your body that will take the pounding of every step, right? I mentioned this before, but a lot of us just like we work a nine to five or longer or, you know, some other segment of the day. And then we hop out of our seats or our cars. We go for a run, no warm up, no body prep, no nothing. And then we wonder why a day or two later, we just hurt all over, right? So that was kind of like a long way of saying do the strength work that's required for the goal that you want to achieve. So if you want to run a 5k, the strength plan isn't as extensive as if you want to run a hundred mile ultra, but at some level, there is a strength component there. So my kind of point of view on this is start on the inside at the deepest level and then work your way up and out. So you do that by starting at home and working on your joint strength and mobility, right? A lot of times what happens is these places like CrossFit, I'm going to pick on CrossFit here. So (laughs) CrossFit, F45, Orange Theory, places like this, people, it's marketed to runners. There are a lot of runners that do it. And what happens is runners just sign up, they go in and they do this stuff, but they don't possess the prerequisites, right? But where I would like to see you guys start is at home by working on your joint strength and your mobility. And then you can start layering in body weight strength workouts, followed by workouts that make use of external weights like kettlebells, dumbbells, even bands, bars, you know, TRX, all of these other things. Um, I gave a few examples of this in the live practice. And again, I'll link up some stuff in the show notes that you can, so you can kind of like see what I mean. But just like with your run training plan, your strength and mobility plan should be layered, starting out with simple and building towards the complex. And like I said, a lot of people start out by jumping right kind of into the middle or maybe even the more advanced end of the spectrum by doing things like CrossFit or Orange Theory or F45. And and honestly, I mean, I said I was going to pick on them, but there is nothing wrong with those workouts and those modalities. My beef with them is really that they are marketed to runners, but for the most part, they don't require any sort of comprehensive movement assessment beforehand, right? Often what they do is just give modifications or alternate exercises. But even that, I'll give you an example. So if your shoulder doesn't move well, like you can't lift your arm any higher than shoulder height, and the workout that you're doing for the day calls for dumbbell overhead presses, where you have to lift weight higher than your shoulder range of motion asks for, it actually doesn't even matter if you swap in jumping jacks, 
right? Like a non-weight-bearing exercise. If your shoulder isn't a shoulder and doesn't go above parallel with the floor, it doesn't matter if you're using external weight or not. It's not an appropriate exercise. But that's kind of what happens. Like, oh, you can't do dumbbell overhead press? Oh, just do jumping jacks instead. Not appropriate. If it's not appropriate, then the next thing is where we just skip it or, or sit it out altogether. But then you kind of feel weird, right? Like you're, you've been, you're paid for this workout <laughs> and now you're just sitting on the sidelines. I mean, that's like, that's just one example. But I, and here's like another way to kind of think about this whole idea of a strength training program for runners. And I like to use the analogy of it being a softball versus a wiffle ball. So I played softball, I played, <laughs> I played collegiate softball. So this is an analogy that is near and dear to my heart, but I think it, I think it translates regardless. All right, bear with me here. So think of it like a softball where that object is built from the inside out, right? The core structure is hard and then there are layers that are added on top, you know, all sorts of different materials that are layered. And then you get to the outside and it's the softest, thinnest, most malleable layer of the whole thing. But when you hit that ball, it doesn't shatter, right? It's solid. It's built from the inside out. A wiffle ball is hollow with holes on the outside and it's made of, you know, some tough plastic, but inherently it's structurally deficient. All of its strength, air quotes, is on the outside, the surface layer, but there's nothing underneath to support it, okay? So now that you have those two images in your head, swap the ball for your body. You want to take the softball approach to strength training for runners, right? Build a strong foundation through daily movement, functional range conditioning, and then layer on strength training and running and cross training, like all the things on top of that. The wiffle ball approach would be to start running, right? We make the outside tougher. Uh, We would go to CrossFit or, you know, go to a workout, but not have the requisite joint range of motion or strength to support the running or that workout for the long term, right? Does that make sense? If you go the wiffle ball route, how long will it be until the shell cracks or breaks the outer wiffle ball shell, right? If you've ever played wiffle ball, you know that like one solid hit by somebody that's super strong or determined Uh, and the ball is dented, right? Or if you accidentally step on it, the whole side is kind of caved in. And once that happens, it's kind of tough to get it back to its original state. I've actually never seen anybody be able to really get a real dented wiffle ball back to a playable state. And if this is how you build your runner's body in the wiffle ball way, one crack or dent begets another and another and another, so on and so forth, until it's kind of like a cascade of injuries and issues that you just can't seem to escape, right? It's almost like a hamster wheel. You get over one and then another one happens. You get over that one and then another one happens. And that's really a function of we're treating the symptom, not the root cause, okay? So what does a strength... 
workout look like? A functional strength program. What does that look like? Well, it starts with a daily shakedown. So we're kind of incorporating things number two and three here. And then you layer in some type of simple joint cars, controlled articular rotations that actually begin to kind of carve the joint movements so that you can start to see what's working and what's not right? Very simple. Does your shoulder have full range of motion or are you limited in some capacity? And we do that from head to toe. Otherwise, you're just, you're going to show up to a run or a workout and not fully understand what you're working with, what your capacity is, right? It's, it's, it's like you're, I can't think of a good analogy on the fly here. It's like you're, you're playing cards with half a deck, right? Like you just, you don't, you don't have all of the things that you need in order to be a good runner. So back to my shoulder example, if you can't lift that arm above the level of your shoulder, it might not seem like a big deal if you're a runner, right? Like unless you, like the only time you really need that shoulder, right? Is to lift your arms above your head for that finishing picture, right? But that reduced range of motion, if you don't, continue to work to expand it, it's eventually going to get smaller. We've talked about use it or lose it before. And eventually it will limit your ability to swing your arms efficiently. And that will impact your running stride. And it will lead to some like imbalances more likely than not. You'll end up kind of out of whack and that that's kind of a broad term, but I think you, you get the idea, right? If things don't move well, stuff is going to be restricted or inhibited or hindered, and that's going to cause imbalance and compensation in all sorts of different ways. Nothing in the body happens in isolation. So when you roll your ankle, it's not just your ankle that's affected. It's going to travel up the kinetic chain, and it it might manifest itself in a bunch of different ways. I think that the big takeaway here is that Starting with a daily shakedown, incorporating the cars, and then layering on body weight, dumbbells, kettlebells, whatever you, whatever modality suits you. That's kind of the natural progression. But there are no two functional strength plans that are the same. You really have to tailor it to you specifically because of that shoulder example that I said. We all bring stuff to this sport, surgeries injuries, health conditions, our jobs, our home life, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you drive a lot? Do you stand all day? Do you sit all day? All of these things are factors in your running and how you should train for your running. Those two things, your running and the rest of your life, they're not separate. They are linked very tightly. Okay. So once you've gotten your joints moving better, then you can start layering on those simple movement patterns, just pushing your body weight around. And then when you feel ready, you can start to add in dumbbells, kettlebells. I'm a huge fan of TRX. Like then you might be ready to actually go to a CrossFit or an F45 or Orange Theory or do, but I think like one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot, and I'm going to I'm going to pick on CrossFit here again a little bit is one of the questions that is crucial when you're evaluating your strength plan is why am I doing this exercise? Why am I doing it? What muscles am I working? What movement pattern does this support? Is this something that I actually need for what I want to do with my body? There are, 
there's a lot of flashy stuff out there on the internet that's marketed to runners. We love this stuff. We can't get enough of it, right? CrossFit is one of them. P90X is another for those of you guys that remember. I mean, like I'm going to lump in some other beach body stuff here. Yes, they're filled with beneficial exercises, but beneficial for whom? That's a big question. What do you bring to this workout? Like what, what's the physical condition and state of your body and joints before you head into this workout? I talked about this other, this next part too, but there's no movement assessment prior in most places. Who's to say that if you're doing this at home, that you've been cleared for everything in that workout? I've heard from so many people, you guys, about their experience with P90X or any, you know, some of these beach body things or CrossFit. Like, oh, my knees couldn't take all the plyo work. Oh, my shoulders, like I couldn't do the lifts, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. You just jumped right into that without any sort of idea of what the physical prerequisites were going to be, right? You were a wiffle ball, not a softball. Same thing with CrossFit. Some of those exercises are beneficial for runners. I will give you that. Kips, not one of them. Snatches, not one of them. And there are very few people, you guys, that are truly capable of doing a snatch. Very, very few. There's just so many physical prerequisites to that, you guys. Ankles and knees and hips, spine, shoulders. I mean, like the whole thing. So many people that have zero business doing snatches. Guys, I don't even do snatches. (laughs) Like it's not functional. I don't do it because I don't need it. It doesn't make sense. I just don't do it. Okay. Like I, we could, I'm, I could get off on, (laughs) I'm I'm already on my soapbox about this. So I'll get off. Look, I'm, I'm all about a good sweaty workout, right? Where you get to sort of lose yourself and bust through some stress, stress and like, all of those things. I'm not denying that you should really have a good sweaty workout. But my objective as a coach is to help you see that there's a smarter way to go about doing that. And that not everything is right for you. Buyer beware. What you should do is focus on these three things, right? This is how you're going to get started. So let's just recap, right? Have a run training plan. What to do when assess, keep track, use that information to go forward, right? That's step number one. Have a daily movement practice. Do a shakedown when you wake up, before you run, at work, all of those, you know, add some more movement variety into your day. That's step two. Step three, have a functional strength program. Remember, we want to become softballs, not wiffle balls. And if you're currently a wiffle ball, that's fine. You can go back and start building that that base through what I'm describing here. Training plan, shakedown, functional strength. All this, this is all stuff that I teach in Run Farther, Faster, Stronger. We spend like eight weeks learning and practicing this stuff so that you have a good understanding and foundation to then go out into the real world and execute this stuff on your own. But I wanted to give you guys this, you know, this episode to help you start thinking about these things. Let's like being exposed to this idea that you can run pain-free, right? It's not a myth. It's not some magical land where only unicorns live. Like 
you can definitely run pain-free. And that's not just, that's not to say that if you do these three things that you will never have any more pain. But what I'm trying to get across here is that you'll have the tools in your toolbox to diminish it, to potentially get rid of it, to minimize it, to become stronger so that it doesn't even happen in the first place. All right. So with all of this, my goal was to help you to become more adept at spotting what's right for you and perhaps what's maybe better suited for someone else. So hopefully this has you thinking, your your gears are turning, you're starting to think about your training plan, how much movement variety you have in your day, and starting to think about adding some of this functional strength to, you know, to your plan. Like maybe you are going to CrossFit, maybe you are going to a boot camp or you do a HIIT workout and you find certain parts of it challenging. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe you're not quite ready for it. Maybe we have to, you know, two steps backwards to go forwards and that's, that's part of the process. Okay. So the current round you guys have run farther, faster, stronger is closed, but you can still apply for the next one that will happen in a couple weeks. I'll put the link to that application down in the show notes. And again, just my advice to you would be to start getting these things in place for yourself. The training plan, daily movement practice, functional strength. And if you don't really know where to start, make sure that you follow me on Instagram because I'll post about all of this stuff and tons more. Just simple things that you can start to incorporate into your training that will help you to run with less pain. And if you start to get into this and you add it to your routine, I'd love to see it in action. So post about it on Instagram and tag me at findyourultra or shoot me an email and let me know how it's going. And I'll put those links down in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.